I think it's recording now. Is that right? Yeah, it's recording. Okay. Are you ready, Luca and, and Thierry, with your phones? Yes. Are you recording yourselves? Okay, super. Thank you for joining the ETH podcast. This past year has been a strange year that challenged us all on many different levels. The corona pandemic changed how we move, how we interact with people. Also, it changed the way students study. For me, the biggest uncertainty was at the beginning of the pandemic. Everyone knew that there was this pandemic going on and it was coming. And all of a sudden it said, well, now we have the first cases here in, in Switzerland. So it began and all of a sudden we, we were at home and somehow needed to manage our studies from home. To me, there was not this one specific moment. It was more like a constant state of uncertainty that uh, really was there over the entire time and still is to a certain extent. That's pretty much what defined this time for me. Yeah, my name is Thierry and I study computer science. I'm currently doing the master's there. Um, I'm already since five years here at ETH and I am 24 years old. <laughs> In 2019 and 2020, I was the president of VSETH, so the head of the student organization. My name is Luca. I'm 23 years old. I study micro nanosystems in the master since I finished my bachelor degree in mechanical engineering last year. And I've been president of the VSETH since September this year. We're in a phase of uncertainty regarding life in all kinds of aspects. What impact does this phase of uncertainty have on students at the ETH? And how does Rector Sarah Springman deal with the uncertainties of the school? For obvious reasons, I'm connected with Sarah Springman, Luca Dale and Thierry Hörmann via video conference. My name is Jennifer Kakshuri. Sarah, what crosses your mind when you hear your students speaking about how they felt this past year concerning studying and being people at the ETH? must have been incredibly difficult because we were the people who had to take the decisions. We were trying to create some certainty within a very uncertain situation. We knew in January that students were going to be coming back from Wuhan and China to do the exams, and we weren't sure, so we started contacting them and we started a seven-day quarantine period at that time because that's all we knew then. And it became clearer and clearer that we were going to have to do something and we started consulting various groups. So Thierry and I had discussions and we started developing a series of scenarios, what might work and what might be the appropriate thing to do. And uh, in the end, one of these scenarios was recommended to the executive board by, by me And it was accepted and we made a decision ahead of the Bundesrat, actually, and gave everybody all of 83 hours of warning exactly what we were going to do before teaching went online at eight o'clock on the Monday morning. But it was a very difficult time for everybody, for us taking the decisions. And also, I'm quite sure for the students, it must have been awful. There was a first phase of the crisis in the springtime, and now we're in the middle of the second one. Is the uncertainty different in any way from the springtime to now? Yes, it is. Um, what we did was we were very extreme in the first lockdown. We followed all of the rules absolutely 
to the to the point, and we probably went beyond the rules. And we've learned more how to operate with managing the virus. So our teaching this time is still online for the lectures. We started off with the examples being in person mostly, but now we still have the experimental teaching is in person, managed very carefully so that we don't cause huge a backlog to those students who are doing, for example, the master's projects, which is really very tough. And for you, Luca and Thierry, what's different now compared to the springtime? So I think, as Sarah mentioned, that it's um, a huge difference is that there still is a certain uh, kind of presence at the university, which I think is incredibly important. What's also different that when the first lockdown came, there was a certain feeling of solidarity, a very strong feeling of solidarity. And now for the second lockdown, there was no relief in between. So it never went back to normal in between. And I think that's what makes makes this a lot tougher from a psychological point of view. Thierry, used to be, Luca, you're now the intersection between students and the school, or Sarah Springman being the rector. How are you in touch with each other? We always had a, a regular interaction with Sarah already beforehand, which got heavily intensified during the, the pandemic. We first tried to meet physically, but obviously when the lockdown came, this was no longer possible. And so we also switched to video conferences and it's got to at least a, a weekly basis that we, we talked about possible regulations and what we, what we want to do. And Luca, how about you? How are you in touch with the students? I assume you're in touch with Sarah on the same basis like uh, Thierry was, but how do you connect with students? Of course, there are my friends, which are students, uh, which which are my main source of input when it comes to how students feel at the moment and what the situation means for them. But then also in VSETH, there is every three weeks all the Fachvereine meet together and uh, we discuss certain topics and, of course, also the corona situation. And there I get a much broader feedback how all the students from all the departments are handling the situation. So if I understood correctly, most of the lectures, no, all of the lectures are taking place online. What does one lose if teaching takes place on screen rather than physically in person in an auditorium? Maybe Sarah also wants to say something to that. No, I think I'm going to listen to the students, actually. They're the experts. Thierry, maybe you would tell me what you lose. I think one of the most important aspects is that you lose the regularity and the social interactions. The regularity is somehow still given through, through the online lectures. However, it gets more and more difficult to hold up to such a regularity if you are working from home. And since, since your personal life and, and your studies, they, they just, you cannot separate them as clearly as, as you used to. And another part really is um, all the social interactions you lose quite heavily. You still can go to ETH, which is wonderful, and you, you can still learn there. However, it's still um, the beer at the evening that we, we miss or what, what we can do afterwards after we studied. And also the lunch breaks, which are more, more difficult to organize with your people. So it, it somehow feels that you go there to learn and then you again leave and, and that was all you did. Luca, on a, 
level of learning what's different, what you lose if you're not physically in an auditorium? So what I noticed during the spring semester is that it's it's just much, much harder to focus on whatever, especially when it comes to lectures. And I think this is especially a problem for smaller lectures that rely more on interactions between students and teachers. So I think they are, uh, a lot of the benefit of the lecture is lost. We had a survey from our lecturers from the spring semester and about 62% amazingly answered. And they were generally positive about things that they managed to achieve, some things they felt they did better, but they really missed the students. You know, And for them, they get a feedback from the students. They can look and see who's keeping up with them, who's struggling when they might have to go back and explain something again. And they just love the interaction. That's why we teach. We want to work closely with students. And some can go online, but the really valuable bits need to be done face to face. So this was something that guided us when we were planning the autumn semester to try and get as much as we could face to face in presence. And we were the first university, I think, to say we want to teach in presence in the autumn semester, even though other universities were saying, no, no, we're going online. I think they changed afterwards. But we said we will manage it. We understand a bit more about how to manage the virus. So we will do that and we'll start that way. And we got seven weeks. Okay, it's not perfect. It wasn't perfect, but it was better than what we have now. But again, what we have now is better than what we had in the spring semester. At least that's my interpretation. <laughs> Luca and Thierry can disagree with me because that's perfectly allowed. We believe in critical thinking. Are you, are you, do you agree with Sarah or do you disagree? I absolutely would agree. Every Every bit of presence is incredibly valuable. And uh, of course, it's not perfect. And it really is, uh, is a challenge for both teachers and students. But it's certainly better than uh, what we had in spring. What do you say, Thierry? I, I would also agree. I think um, the challenges are immense. And I think it's a great sign that we, we tried to really do something in presence and to not just take the easy way and say, well, we, we switch and go to online. What do you know about people who just started to study in the fall right now, the f people who are in first semester now, what are their struggles? I mean, I assume it's much more difficult. There are no parties, there's no meeting in the hall, there's no eating in the mensa. I'll give you a little bit of an input on, on our thinking about it, because we were very worried about the new students coming in, because they come from school, wherever they've come from, mainly in Switzerland, of course, and it's a different culture in a sense. And we're very aware from one of our colleagues that forming networks early is very important to help people succeed because we have this basic exam at the end of the first year, which is pretty much the selection process. So that's really very tough. And to add corona on top of that is 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 not nice. So we formed these bubbles of, of 25 people, should be no less than 30% of each gender in each group. That's difficult in some of the engineering subjects. And we then surveyed um, after a few weeks, I think three or four weeks, what the students felt, particularly about the assistants who were guiding and coaching them. And they, those assistants also did a special course to help them as well. And we got really excellent feedback over four out of five on average across all of the departments. So clearly that worked quite well. And we asked uh, the directors of studies, How's it going? Is it working? Yes, yes. We might even keep these bubbles um, in the future. So that was something we were very, very worried about at the beginning. 
But of course, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating of it, as it were, when the students actually take the exams. And I'm always interested to hear what Luke and Thierry might have to say from their experience too. What are your experiences with people in first semester now in this phase? I experienced it to be still, a, of course, a, a really challenging time. I also remember talking with Sarah a lot about concepts on how we, we can solve this. And I think the bubble concept was probably the best idea we really had. And I also think it, it's working quite well. However, there are still quite a few students who feel really alone and don't have this social interaction and don't really know the colleagues very well. Um, especially um, in some, sometimes the bubbles didn't work. And also we have start students in the masters who are just beginning. They, they don't really have the, the bubble system. And for them, they sometimes don't know their colleagues at all and don't have this ability to learn together and, and to motivate each other. Luca, do you think it's working okay? Yeah, so I fully agree with Thierry that the bubble system does work very well. It sometimes does depend on the bubble. So I've heard from people that have made very good experiences and have, there are also people where the bubble system did not, not work out that well for that certain bubble. But I think in general, it's uh, the right approach and the right solution. I think one group that we should not forget about is uh, the second years, because they really, they had just one semester. And I don't know, personally, I did not have any friends after the first semester. Why didn't you have friends? Because you were studying so hard in the first semester. No, it's ju it's just you you just meet in the in the lectures and um, it's 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 much more casual and you're not that well connected as you maybe are in the second year. There, I think they got hit pretty hard by Corona in the spring semester and without any preparation and without having the mindset that this will be a different semester. And I think that's a group that uh, we maybe should focus on. And what, what advice would you give that group? I mean, how, how shall they interact or how should they find a way to feel more at home or more secured? Sarah, maybe you want to say something? Oh, I, I think, I mean, the problem is they didn't have the knowledge in the first semester, watch out, Corona's coming, get networked, you know, get to know each other. So we didn't have any of that heads up. So I can quite see. And one of the things I really wanted to do, actually, was when the first years had passed the this uh, basic exam, they get a hoodie from ETH. And uh, it's it's rather fun, the event where we hand it out and we take lots of pictures. And, and of course, we weren't able to do that. So I had these, these great hopes that maybe they could come and do socially spaced aerobics or whatever on the polyterrasse, you know, wearing their hoodies so we could sort of get everybody out and get them together and whatever within a, a and but then of course that turned out not to be allowed. And and every time I plan something, there seem to be new, tougher regimes where we can't do anything. So we're going to go online and do a little campaign about move ETH, hashtag move ETH, and uh, post some videos and whatever. We try and stimulate a little bit of movement, people doing things together and sharing, because otherwise you can be very alone. And what worries me a little bit is the people who completely shut themselves up and, and, and don't open up. And it's really easy to hide under such situations where normally you can see, oh, so-and-so hasn't turned up or whatever, and you might, you know, go and ask the question, how are you doing? How are you? And that's the question that we need to ask is, is V Gates, that's the student special thing, they'll tell you about that. V Gates, how are you? 
Yeah, wie geht's? How are you? Is probably one of the most important questions right now talking about mental health in these times of uncertainties. How can you create safe spaces? How can you ask, wie geht's? How are you? How do you do? What's going on? I mean, there's so many students. Is there a kind of, a, do you have a kind of program? Luca, you're, you're closest right now to all the students. VSETH does offer, uh, for example, the Nightline, which is uh, which is a place that people can typically call. Now it's just uh, via chat because of uh, the situation. Uh, whenever they have any worries, or and that's a very how do you say? Um, that's a high level. I mean, it's low level and it's high level, so it's quite extreme. You you grab Nightline when you're really. In, in trouble. But what I've seen the Fachverein doing very well is getting around within their study groups and sharing and organizing events and whatever. One of the decisions we made early on when we had Zoom was to give Zoom to the board members of the Fahrseitehar and every student got a copy of Teams, for example, so that it's possible to interact with each other. I'm not sure how much that actually helped, but at least I think stimulating that. But you still have to sign on and say, yes, I'm going to go and be part of it. So the challenge is those who don't sign on, I suppose. Yeah, it's a tremendous challenge for the VSETH and the FAFA. So typically the FAFA will, will try to organize events and try to connect the people with each other. But now with all those online events, it's become a lot more difficult. So I was very active in the Fachverein during the spring semester, for example. And it was very difficult to get to the people and to motivate them to come to the events. And yeah, and to be honest, it's um, it's not the same thing if you're if you meet online via Zoom or especially if you don't know the people, if you want to get connected with new people. And that's very difficult through online events. But that's something that we're constantly thinking about and that we're constantly trying to find new ideas and um, find new solutions. So it's a very stressful position that you're in, in a way, because you're responsible for people and it's hard to get them together. How do you deal with that? How do you create your safe space? So uh, I was somewhat prepared for that. I mean, it's I was president of the army last semester and I knew what I was running into so I think that that helps to a certain extent but then something I've definitely learned is to to keep my work at work so to say so uh, not to take it home and if I come home I uh, I try to forget all about it and I I can relax so uh, that works quite well for me can you teach me how to do that please Luca <laughs> I haven't quite learned that one yet that's disappeared over the years I think and what about you Thierry I am really happy that that I now have the the possibility to go to ETH and and learn at at ETH and to still somehow meet up a little bit with um with some of my colleagues and earlier on well, the the first lockdown well we were just at home but but it it wasn't I, I guess that much of a deal as it as it is now since it was that new and then in, in summer we um. We already had the possibility to again go back in into our offices and, and meet again a little bit in person. Sarah, I want to speak about you as a professor quickly, just very short. As a professor and scientist, you dealt with uncertainties concerning natural hazards such as landslides and how to design buildings more securely. Is there something that you know from your research that you could apply to this situation now? 
I think it's just the, the, the phrase, create as much certainty as you can within the uncertainty and just work out what you know, use the science, listen to people, um, remember that you're not the, the corifer, you're not the person who knows everything, that um, when you combine the brain power across ETH in all of the different groups, the FAOS ETH, the AFAO ETH, the CARDEL, who are the conference of the lecturers, the heads of department, the study directors, other members of the Schulleitung, all of those groups have got really uh, the Hochschulversammlung, I shouldn't, uh, the, the sort of general assembly across ETH, they've all got ideas and views. And at the end of the day, you have to then decide which ones are the ones that are going to be part of your main scenarios and what is going to work the best. And I think um, trying to create a sort of consensus, if you can, at least, of the core things that you're going to do was important. And I think that's why everybody accepted um, and again, interacting with Jerry, so frantic, um, so uh, um, mobile telephone calls to say, this is where we are, um, what do you think? And, and having those open discussions were really very, very important because everybody will have a view and an input. I think this was a, a huge hazard and it still is in a different way. It's more of a creeping hazard now. It was a big, big change at the very beginning. And, and now it's a sort of creeping hazard because it's just going on and on and on. Was there also a moment when the uncertainty in this whole phase brought something light or something positive? Because it's a very heavy topic that we're talking about. Well, it is. It is. But I think, I think as you got closer to understanding what the issues were and what the options were, then I think when we took the decision in the middle of, of March that we had in 83 hours, we were going to go online. I think in a sense for me, there was a huge relief that we'd finally made a decision and communicated it. Then it was almost crossing fingers and putting all sorts of things in place like hotlines and support for lecturers. The educational specialists played an absolute blinder. They're in most of the departments and they were there helping their colleagues work out how to use Zoom and how to make the best of it. So everybody actually performed as, a, as an amazing team and that was very motivating. But I think just after having made the decisions few, we've now made the decision, now everybody can get on with it, was helpful and important. And what about Luca and Thierry for you? Are there, is there something good that you can take out of this? Like if you look back in 10 years, will you say whether well, was something light or funny or okay? Well, I, I would say it, it was definitely an, an experience <laughs> we, we had. I am really hopeful that, that about in maybe in, in 10 years, we, we can look back and tell maybe our, our children, look, we, we were in, in this big pandemic And, and this was a total crisis, but now we are over it. So it's, I, I guess there is a little bit of, of an interesting aspect in, in this direction. However, of course, it, it, is, it is difficult to, to talk about this right now. Maybe some other aspects are that you somehow, when you're alone at home, you tend to get a little bit creative and, and start doing maybe some, some stuff that you didn't do before. So I, I, I got motivated to do some more of my personal IT stuff. <laughs> um, actually, this, this was still for, for VSETH most of the time, but it was a little bit different than, than my usual work um, for, for the presidency. And Luca, are you able to take something positive out of all of this? Um, It's a mean question, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to learn, I want to hear. 
Yeah, it's it's a little difficult. Um, I've started, of course, uh, when you you only when you stay at home um, all the time, and typically I I don't stay at home at all. So I've had to start with new things. For one, pretty much the very first night of the lockdown, I um, I ordered a new PC and started gaming ever since. And um, yeah, that didn't stop with the when the measures got uh, less strict. Yeah, and I started cocktail mixing, something I'll certainly uh, also keep up. <laughs> ah, brilliant. I, I, I grew tomatoes and I had something like 433 tomatoes and nearly 20 kilos worth of them. And so they got turned into relish and goodness knows what. And we grew marigolds and cabbages and goodness knows what. And even uh, got a, a lawnmower um, robot and I installed that as well. So that was all quite fun. So green fingers was my, was my thing. Normally I didn't have time for that. So I enjoyed that very much. I have one more question regarding Sarah, you as a triathlete. Um, in a way, this year was like running a triathlon without practicing. Do you have advice for students, for Luca and Thierry and also for other people? How do you run a marathon or a triathlon without practicing? Well, I, normally I wouldn't advise anybody to do anything like that without training. So I did a, a, a triathlon when we ran to Dover, swam the channel and biked to Paris. And I can tell you it's the other way around here. We jumped into very cold water, 10 to 13 degrees, and it was awful at the very beginning. And it was like, are we going to survive? And then you sort of get a little bit into the rhythm of it and you think, oh, it's not so bad. Uh, and then you change onto the onto the bike and there's lots of lots of hassle when you do that. That was probably the end of the spring semester. And then you get into a routine, you're, you're pedaling along on the bike and uh, then all of a sudden the exams come along, that's at the end, those are the hills at the end of the bike ride. Then the next semester comes and that's another transition and then you're into the marathon. But the point at the moment is we don't really know that it's going to be just a marathon. I think it might be a double marathon or a triple marathon. That's a little bit the challenge. We don't know where the finish line is. So we have to make sure we have aid stations along the way with a little bit of entertainment, you know, going on at the aid station so that people um, don't, um, don't lose focus, don't lose courage, don't get bored and all of those things. So that's a little bit our job at the moment. Our three, the job of the three of us really is to try and um, help people find their way, way through and tell them you can do it. It's possible. It is possible. You will get there and we will do what we can to help. And I think that's the important point to make. The finish line and the orchids and everything else on the finish line, I don't know quite when that's going to happen, but uh, I hope I'll be there to hand some of them out. And Luca Thierry, will you help handing out the orchids and the champagne bottles and cocktails once you see the finish line? Yeah, uh, we've actually talked about it just yesterday. So Thierry asked me if I had a party plan for, for the day that we could come back to ETH. I've already had a plan since, since day one of the lockdown. So what are your hopes, maybe in one sentence, what's your hope regarding uncertainty and the uncertainty to somehow diminish or to stop? I hope really is that we are now at this high point of regulations and that it now gets better every day and that we and maybe with a, with a vaccine or something like this, we can look into the future and, and have um, a positive view onto the, the next year from summer on. Yeah, um, it's my hope as well that we've finally reached a sort of turning point that I mean, we sort of maybe see like a finish line in the fog with the vaccinations now. And I really hope that 
this also holds true and that it's and that eventually we are getting closer to an end of it all or to the beginning of the end at least sarah I'm not going to cap that. I'm going to let the students have the last word. Okay, let that be the last words. The beginning of the end of this all would be nice. By the way, the ETH podcast will stick to the topic of uncertainty for a series. We will produce different episodes in which we talk about uncertainty from various aspects, such as climate change or cybersecurity. Stay tuned. Thank you, Luca Dale. Thank you, Thierry Hermann and Sarah Springman. And everyone who's listening to the ETH podcast right now. I produced this episode of the ETH podcast together with Tiswachter's Audio Story Lab and sound designer Luki Fretz. My name is Jennifer Kakshuri. <laughs>